Long history. The southern United States in the 1500s, part 21. Boat building in Arkansas. Hello again and welcome to episode 21 of Long History's The Southern United States in the 1500s. If you're new to Long History, we like to take source documents from history and split them up into chunks of 10 minutes or so. In that way you can learn history from the source. And in this document, The Southern United States in the 1500s, you'll hear some of the very earliest descriptions of the United States by Europeans. This text describes an expedition from the mid-1500s to explore large parts of the southern United States, from Florida to Arkansas and most of the states in between. The expedition in particular spends a long time in Arkansas, and after a brief trip over into Texas, in this episode they return to Arkansas and spend a great deal of time alongside the Mississippi. This narrative was written by a Portuguese man known as the Gentleman of Elvis, and we're well into this document now. This is part 21 of a 25-part series. Now each episode is designed to be standalone, but of course if this piques your interest, another 20 episodes of this document are already available, and please subscribe to be informed of when the remaining four episodes are released. As this episode begins, it is December 1542. It's over four years since the expedition initially set off, and some six months since Moscoso took over the leadership of the expedition from Hernando de Soto. When the new governor took over, any hope of fame and fortune was just pushed to one side. The expedition members just wanted to return to the Spanish-speaking world. They had one short-lived attempt to make the journey to New Spain by land, but after entering today's Texas area and finding little food, they changed their plans and headed back to Arkansas and the Mississippi. Finally, with some sort of a plan to return to the Spanish-speaking world, in this episode they build their boat so they can make their escape. Chapter 36. How seven brigantines were built, and the Christians took their departure from Aminoya. So soon as the Christians arrived in Aminoya, the governor commanded the chains to be collected which everyone brought along for Indians, the iron in shot, and what was in the camp. He ordered a furnace to be set up for making spikes, and likewise timber to be cut down for the brigantines. A Portuguese of Ceuta had learned to saw lumber, while a captive in Fez, and saws had been brought for that purpose with which he taught others who assisted him, a Genoese whom God had been pleased to spare, as without him we could not have gone away, there being not another person who knew how to construct vessels, built the brigantines with the help of four or five Biscayan carpenters, who hewed the plank and ribs for him, and two caulkers, one a Genoese, the other a Sardinian, closed them up with the oakum, got from a plant like hemp, called Enegen, of which I have before spoken but from its scarcity the flax of the country was likewise used, as well as the ravelings of shawls. The cooper sickened to the point of death, and there was not another workman, but God was pleased to give him health, and notwithstanding he was very thin and unfit to labour, fifteen days before the vessels sailed, he made for each of them two of the half-hogsheads sailors called quartos, four of them holding a pipe of water. The Indians of a province called Taguanate, two days' journey up the river, Likewise those of Anilco and Guachoya and other neighbouring people, seeing the vessels were building, thought, as their places of concealment were by the water's side, that it was the purpose to come in quest of them, and because the governor had asked for shawls, as necessary out of which to make sails, they came often and brought many, as likewise a great deal of fish. Of a verity it did appear that God chose to favour the Christians in their extreme need, disposing the Indians to bring the garments, Otherwise, there had been no way but to go and fetch them. 
Then the town where they were, as soon as the winter should set in, would become so surrounded by water and isolated that no one could travel from it by land farther than a league, or a league and a half, when the horses could no longer be used. Without them we were unable to contend, the Indians being so numerous. Besides, man to man on foot, whether in the water or on dry ground, they were superior, being more skilful and active, and the conditions of the country more favourable to the practice of their warfare. They also brought us ropes, and the cables needed were made from the bark of the mulberry trees. Anchors were made of stirrups, for which others of wood were substituted. In March, more than a month having passed since rain fell, the river became so enlarged that it reached Nilco, nine leagues off, and the Indians said that on the opposite side it also extended an equal distance over the country. The ground whereon the town stood was higher, and where the going was best the water reached to the stirrups. Rafts were made of trees, upon which were placed many boughs, whereon the horses stood, and in the houses were like arrangements. Yet, even this not proving sufficient, the people ascended into the lofts, and when they went out of the houses it was in canoes, or, if on horseback, they went in places where the earth was highest. Such was our situation for two months, in which time the river did not fall, and no work could be done. The natives, coming in canoes, did not cease to visit the brigantines. The governor, fearing they would attack him in that time, ordered one of those coming to the town to be secretly seized, and kept until the rest were gone, which being done, he directed that the prisoner should be tortured, in order to draw out from him any plotting of treason that might exist. The captives said that the caciques of Nilco, Guachoya, Taguanate and others, in all some twenty had determined to come upon him with a great body of people. Three days before they should do so, the better to veil their evil purpose and perfidy, they were to send a present of fish, and on the day itself, another present was to be sent in advance of them by some Indians, who, with others in the conspiracy that were serving, should set fire to the houses, after getting possession of the lances placed near the doors of the dwellings, when the caciques, with all their people, being concealed in the thicket nigh the town, on seeing the flame, should hasten to make an end of them. The governor ordered the Indian to be put in a chain, and on the day that was stated, thirty men having come with fish, he commanded their right hands to be cut off, sending word by them to the cacique of Guachoya, whose they were, that he and his might come when they pleased. He desired nothing better, but they should learn that they could not think of a thing that he did not know their thought before them. At this they were all greatly terrified. The caciques of Nilco and Taguanate came to make excuses, and a few days after came the cacique of Guachoya, with the principal Indian, his vassal, stating that he had certain information of an agreement between the caciques of Nilco and Taguanate to come and give the Christians battle. So soon as some Indians arrived from Nilco, the governor questioned them, and they, confirming what was said, he delivered them at once to the principal Indian of Guachoya. He took them out of the town and killed them. The next day came others from Taguanate, who, likewise having confessed, the governor commanded that their right hands and their noses should be cut off, and he sent them to the cacique. With this procedure, the people of Guachoya were well satisfied, and often came with presents of shawls and fish, and of hogs, which were the breeding of some sows lost there the year before. Having persuaded the governor to send people to Taguanate, so soon as the waters fell, they brought canoes, in which infantry went down the river, and the captain proceeded by land with cavalry, and having guided them until they came to Taguanate, the Christians assaulted the town, took many men and women and shawls, which, with what they had already, sufficed for their want.
In the month of June, the brigantines were finished, and the Indians, having stated that the river rose but once in the year, which was with the melting of snow that had already passed, it being now summer, and a long time since rain had fallen, God was pleased that the water should come up to the town, where the vessels were, whence they floated into the river, for had they been taken over ground, there would have been danger of tearing open the bottoms, thereby entirely wrecking them, the planks being thin and the spikes made short for the lack of iron. In the time that the Christians were there, the people of Aminoya came to offer their service, being compelled by hunger to beg some ears of corn, which had been taken from them. As the country was fertile, they were accustomed to subsist on maize, and as all that they possessed had been seized, and the population was numerous, they could not exist. Those who came to the town were weak, and so lean that they had not flesh on their bones, and many died nearby of clear hunger and debility. The governor ordered, under pain of heavy punishments, that maize should not be given to them. Still, when it was seen that they were willing to work, and that the hogs had a plenty, the men, pitying their misery and destitution, would share their grain with them, so that when the time arrived for departure, there was not enough left to answer for what was needed. That which remained was put into the brigantines and the great canoes, which were tied together in couples. Twenty-two horses were taken on board, being the best there were in the camp. The flesh of the rest was jerked, as was also that of the hogs that remained. On the second day of July of the year 1543, we took our departure from Aminoya. Some six months passed during this episode, until finally the expedition has built enough boats to be able to make the journey down the Mississippi. During that time there is constant mistrust between the expedition members and the local people, and it's also interesting to see the range of European nationalities involved in the boat building, including a Portuguese of Ceuta, a Genoese, Biscayans, and a Sardinian. In the next episode, their boats built, they make their perilous journey down the Mississippi. Thank you for listening to this episode from Long History. Before you go, please don't forget to like and share the episode. That was the Southern United States in the 1500s, Part 21, Boat Building in Arkansas. Goodbye.